I would say I'm not usually the type to discuss my problems or whatever's happening in my life, but sometimes it's important to let people know because you never know what sort of support you'll receive. Hello and welcome to the Magnetica podcast. This is a podcast by two 20-something friends, Kim and Phil. We catch whatever life throws at us and try to make sense of it by sharing our thoughts and opinions. Magnetica will be full of great moments, so many oops, ifs, laughters and tears of maneuvering life as young African women. If you want to have a great time and share in our experiment, tag along. Let's journey on together. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Magnetica podcast. Thank you for always coming back to listen to us. If you're new here, thank you for listening to this particular episode. Today we are discussing a very sensitive, sometimes heavy topic. It's the topic of losing a loved one through death or through other experiences. But today we'll actually be having this conversation with Frank who has agreed to come and have this tough conversation with all of us, share his experience. Frank Lost has been here before, actually. I need to say that. We used to study together in at the university. He lost his father last year. So he's going to take us through the experience, how he found out what he felt, so that for those of us who have never lost someone who's so close, can sort of experience what he experienced. I say sort of because I'm not sure uh, through thinking about it, we can really understand how it feels, but we can empathize um, with that experience. And when it happens to us, because death is inevitable, we'll be able to you know, remember what Frank said and think to ourselves, okay, it's doable. We, we can manage, we can keep up. So, Frank, introduce yourself and let us know how your day is going. Hi, Purity. Thanks for having me here. So, as mentioned, we were in university together, different courses. Uh, it was a nice time. <clears throat> Fewer responsibilities. It was fun. Yeah, so a uh, brief intro about me. I work in IT. I have very many interests, but I think chief among my interests is motorcycles. I don't know why, but they just arouse my interest a lot. With that out of the way, I think just to begin, um, my dad was the last person I lost. Well, not the last one, but I, I think it was the heaviest loss I had last year because I had two losses actually. I lost my dad, and I also lost uh, my mother's brother, my uncle. So I lost two family members last year, and it was just within three months of one another. I really didn't know how to process both of them. Now, I'll just begin with my dad. My dad was slightly older. He was 72 when he passed. He had some health issues. As I remember it, in November, he was having some health complications. He was not as strong. He 
was not as active. He would spend a lot of time indoors. And uh, he just wasn't as cheerful as he used to be because he was a really cheerful guy. So in December now, uh, around Christmas time, or like a few days leading up to Christmas, my dad was not feeling so good. So the key things were he just could not stand up on his own, like on his own two feet. He needed assistance. So I used to assist him. I would lift him up and like, you know, he would have his shoulder around mine and walk him around the house. And uh, other people who lived with him, because at that point also I was not living at home anymore. I live alone. So that's mostly when I would visit. But the people who are living with him were my mother and a cousin of mine. So they they were the ones who were assisting him physically when he could not assist himself, so to speak. So that was one sign. The second thing was he could not use the loo anymore, like so easily. So he would go to the bathroom and spend an hour there, spend a lot of time there. And um, it was strange, worrying, a bit strange. But we figured maybe it's just old age, you know. As you get older, your body doesn't function the way it used to. So we thought, we, we didn't really think it was any major cause for alarm. Now, around Christmas, um, I guess that was the last phone call I had with him. Uh, he called me, told me he wanted us to have like a small get-together at home, uh, buy a lot of food, hang out with one another. And we did, we did that. It was a good day uh, on the 25th of December 2021. Everyone was there. Um, me, him, my mom, my sister, my sister's kids, uh, some other relatives also came by. And we all had fun. So I spent the night at home because <laughs> I live alone. So I really had nothing to come back to. So I stayed back home with my parents and my dad was experiencing the same complications. At this point, he had not used the loo for about two days and it was becoming really worrisome. So on the 26th, we tried to give him laxatives, which kind of worked. And uh, we thought we solved the issue until now. Um, by the 27th and the 28th, he still could not go to the loop. So we took it upon ourselves to take him to hospital. We, okay, I won't name the hospitals, but we took him to a certain hospital. And the first thing we were told is this guy is above 70. So he's no longer covered by insurance, which was uh, a huge bummer because he was, he had insurance uh, under my mother because as long as uh, you are someone's dependent, you're covered under the insurance. That's private insurance. So that first hospital turned him down despite making us pay a consultation fee of about five Gs. So because finances were a bit of an issue, 
we opted to take him to a different hospital around where we live. So we did that. But the thing is that this was not really a fully-fledged hospital because the end goal was to take him to Kenyatta Hospital since NHIF does cover people who are over 70 and his NHIF was very much valid and active. But uh, according to the system we have, you can't take someone to a level five hospital directly until you've first taken them to the smaller hospitals within your locality and gotten them a referral. So we took him to a smaller hospital where they didn't really give us any conclusive information about what was wrong with him. And, uh, you know, they just kept doing all these tests. And obviously, I guess hospitals are a business. Uh, that's the morbid way to look up at it. So since a hospital is a business, it must make profit. And they recommended all these tests, which we did for him, uh, which cost us a huge sum of money. But, you know, I figured this is my dad. There's really no one else I would spend this money on. So we did get him through those tests. And he was just getting worse at the hospital. Definitely couldn't move around. His legs were swelling, what's known as edema. I think you heard about it in in uh, high school, where you have like excess protein being deposited into your appendages or something like that. And um, apart from that, he had difficulty breathing and he was getting confused. So... You know, we mobilized, and my family, everyone, a lot of people were involved, and um, we got a referral and took him to Kenyatta National Hospital. I know I said I wouldn't name hospitals, but uh, I have named one, because I guess that's the only hospital I can name <laughs> at this point. So we got him to a hospital, and I remember we spent a whole night admitting him. Uh, that was just on New Year's, on the eve of New Year's, we spent the whole night admitting him into hospital. But, you know, you do what you can for the people who are important to you. So it didn't really bother me. Uh, if anything, I was ready to do anything and everything to keep him alive. And that we did. Um, so we finished up in the hospital. Nobody slept. Um, then we well, we all went home. So for the next three or four weeks, he was still in hospital. Uh, he was making progress. I would usually take off some time from work, maybe two or three hours, just to go and visit him as often as I could. So I'd make sure I'd see him at least three to five times a week for the next three or four weeks. And uh, he was definitely making progress, but his appetite was gone completely. Uh, you would give him some food, he would take like two or three bites, and he would be done. Then, on top of that, he would always make demands to see everybody. Like, he would ask, where's the firstborn, where's the secondborn, where are their kids, where are you, where are my friends? So at that point, I was kind of like, okay, this guy might go, I, I really don't know. <laughs> 
if he'll make it because once he was making all these requests to see everybody even people he was not on very good terms with i was very skeptical about whether he would make it but interestingly enough uh on the 30th of january rather on the 26th of january the hospital called me and told me they can discharge him so on the 30th i went to hospital and discharged him uh we got him back home and i guess three days later on the second he was no more so yeah that in a nutshell is how he died so how did i find out he died um on the second i i think i had a really long stressful day at work also together with the whole my dad is ill trying to recover thing so i usually go to the gym and on the second i opted just to go to the gym and i left my phone off so that nobody would call me nobody would reach me so once i was done with my workout i saw my mom tried to call me a cousin of mine tried to call me and one of my brothers tried to call me so i called my mom back first and she told me like i guess 30 minutes before she stepped out to get the old man some food for supper and once she got back into the house um she went to the bedroom and found he was not breathing anymore yeah okay that's tough to be honest um and very interesting at the same time you know i, I saw um a youtube short of a hospice night nurse and she was saying that sometimes uh, our loved ones uh wait for us to leave <laughs> the room or maybe the hospital room or the house or something and then um and then they they leave you know and maybe you were there the whole day you were with them the whole day and then when you step out for just two seconds they're gone it's like they were just yeah. waiting for you to leave yeah so it's very interesting yeah. but um even more interesting uh my mom says that he really didn't want to leave uh in the hospital so something i forgot to mention is during his stay in the hospital he kept insisting that he wanted to go back home mm. so yeah my mom's logic behind that is that he didn't want to die in the hospital it's like he knew he was going to die but he just didn't want to go like leave in the hospital yeah okay. yeah yeah i think i think that makes sense but uh, well i don't know maybe when we die we'll know <laughs> we'll know just yep. what we were doing right before we died yeah okay so typically what happens when someone loses a loved one is you find out and then 
now you have to let everyone know right yep. everyone who you know cares about you who would want to know now you let them know so i i often wonder okay how how does that feel like you know having to tell everyone call some people even if it's just two people how does that feel deliver the news does it at this point when you're now delivering the news um, to someone else has it sunk in that this has happened or you're still like eh, maybe it has maybe it hasn't half denial half acceptance what's going on during that stage right so i think i had accepted that he passed away because i had knowledge that he was ill for quite some time so it wasn't really new it was just shocking and unexpected because i didn't think he would pass on so early and i didn't think he would pass on like without concrete signs of passing on because he was showing concrete signs of improvement so as for informing people i didn't tell anyone until i think about 11 pm uh despite knowing about it at i guess 5:30 so that's a whole five and a half hours when i guess i was just trying to process the information uh definitely my whole family knew the only people i guess i had to inform were people at work so i just informed my immediate boss at the time i just told her hey i can't come to work tomorrow and she asked me why and i was like you know my dad died so it was also a shock for her because you know it's it's very <clears throat> it's very random news so after i told my immediate boss about what happened i was just given some time off i was just told there's really no need to come back to work i'm not saying i was fired <laughs> i i just mean i was i was given some compassionate leave so i was entitled to two weeks off but at the time i I was very I didn't want to just spend time alone. So I did take time off, but I would sometimes go to the office cause I wanted a distraction. Otherwise I would just sit in my house and think about everything and I really didn't want that. But Once I was given time off the first thing I did was go home and just hang out with my mom because I think she was not in a very good place so I stayed home for about a week because there was no way I was going to come back here and be alone and think about everything so <clears throat> apart from informing my immediate boss and people i work with i also had to inform some of my dad's friends um some of them didn't know so i had to call them and tell them 
yeah, this is um, so-and-so's son. Unfortunately, so-and-so passed on. Uh, yeah, and some of them were shocked. Some of them just told me sorry. Uh, then also, there were some of his friends who were our neighbors. We also had to tell them. I can just say informing people is not so easy. And interestingly enough, when you inform someone and then they tell you pole, like anytime you hear the word pole, sorry, sorry about that, it makes you feel horrible. It just makes you feel like, wow, <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> and uh, I didn't quite understand why that was because this person is not trying to harm you in any way. This person is not trying to hurt you. They're just trying to console you. But once the consolation comes, you feel like breaking down even much worse than if you are not consoled. Yeah, so I think informing other people was tough, but it was very much necessary because there were some people who I had not talked to in a really long time and we got to talk because of that. Um, one thing which... I can say was um, a really kind of people. I, I remember a friend of mine, he's called John. Uh, I think John knows himself. So John saw a post Facebook post by one of my family members where I was tagged. And then he texted me and told me, dude, I learned about your father's passing. I'm sorry about that. So... I was like, okay, cool. So what John did is he organized like a fundraiser uh, between myself and like people I was in campus in the same class with. And people raised some money and uh, gave it to me like to support with funeral expenses, which I really appreciate. I feel like if no one knew about it, um, yeah would not have received any support. Then the other thing is also at work, I was given a lot of support. Um, I was not being chased to, you know, close on deadlines. I was not being told, hey, come back tomorrow. Um, and they also did fundraise for me, uh, which also assisted us with burial expenses so <clears throat> i think there is importance in letting people know uh i would say i'm not usually the type to discuss my problems or whatever's happening in my life but sometimes it's important to let people know because you never know what sort of support you'll receive so um Moving away from informing people, I think the burial was the hardest bit because everyone has their own views about what a burial should be like and everyone has their own views about culture. And um, not to bash my own culture, but there are certain things which must be done when someone dies. So, number one, when you die, it's preferable that you are buried where you are born. 
so for for me that meant that we had to take my dad all the way back to Homer Bay where he was born so that's number one number two um the only way you'll be buried is if you have built a house on your own land and uh unfortunately my dad did not do that because he had his own reservations about um our culture as well as what was expected of him so he didn't really have like his own house um where he was born if if you if you get what I'm meaning so that was a challenge also and directly proportional to that that was also believe it or not a funeral expense because you know you have to build a structure and a structure which signifies your home your family so that was that was one challenge we faced because on the one hand everyone from home is saying bring him back home let's bury him here and on the other hand everyone else is like let's just bury him wherever which is uh i think where majority of the conflict about burying was the main challenge we faced was deciding whether we would bury him in Nairobi or we would bury him at home and ultimately we just settled to bury him at home because i think it would have been more difficult to bury him in Nairobi so uh, unfortunately because of this decision we had to wait a little bit longer to, to bury him because he passed on on the second and we could only really bury him on the 17th because we had to get the budget together uh included in the budget was a house which needed to be built uh well not an entire house but you know a structure signifying a house for the most part and because you see my father was married twice he had a, a first wife and a mom uh he needed to have two houses or two structures to signify each wife or each family so that was also a factor then of course uh there had to be a budget for food there had to be a budget for tents there had to be a budget for coffin transport from Nairobi to all the way home uh accommodation all of those things all of those things had to be budgeted <clears throat> um which surprisingly was okay because a lot of people were willing to contribute even without being asked and uh we definitely did some fundraising internally within our family and we were able to give him a send off on the 17th which uh, was just two weeks after he passed on so during the burial i i can say i was okay uh i had an okay trip because the good thing was that we traveled with family we actually hired a bus so we traveled with my family members and some friends who had come to support us 
So I was surrounded with a lot of people who I could have good conversation with and who we could hang out with. And uh, once we got home, um, it it was it was good. Uh, everyone was cheerful. Everyone was uh, accommodating, and uh, I saw a lot of faces I had not seen before or for a long time. And it was a very warm, friendly environment, and I really liked that. So. You know, on the 17th, we finally laid him to rest. That was during the burial. And uh, I think the hardest thing for me was to view his body. I really didn't understand everyone's fascination with viewing his body. I could not bring myself to do it. So there's that uh, section in the burial where they let you view the body through the glass in the coffin. I could not do that. I did not do that. I found it very hard. So I didn't bother. Um, I think when he was actually being put into the ground is when it sank in for me. And I was just a total mess. I broke down. And uh, yeah, I think that's when it hit me that I'm never going to see him again. Uh, in person, I, I still see him in photos, but that's when it hit me that I would never see him again. So, yeah, that was uh, that was the burial bit of it. So, after the burial, um, when people left, I was still getting a lot of check-ins by people. I had some friends who were also very nice to pass by and uh, I remember three people came over and cooked for me, which I really appreciated. Um, they know themselves, I won't name names, but I do remember three people came and cooked for me and I really, I really loved it. I felt good, I felt appreciated. Um, at work, people were also being very supportive. After the burial, I think the person who had it the roughest was my mother because you live with someone for the better part of 30 years and then they're just gone. It's very difficult because at this point she had gotten really used to him. Uh, they used to have a lot of banter, a lot of interesting conversations and now that was not really something she could look forward to anymore. So, yeah, I think that was the whole process of the burial and after the burial. I think it was really tough, but somehow we managed to get through it. <clears throat> so, in terms of support, I think a lot of people were really supportive, especially my friends, my relatives. A lot of people were kind enough to do things for me which I really never expected them to do for me and I really don't know how I can repay them but wherever those people are I would just want to say thank you. In terms of how my life changed after this whole experience I would say number one 
most painful thing is that my dad was also my friend he was uh definitely he was my father uh he had some level of authority over me but he was also a pretty chill guy and he was just my friend so i miss my friend we could hang out and talk about anything we could talk about you know um the the topics which he loved most which honestly uh didn't necessarily spark much interest in me were history and politics but because it was him we could have those conversations and he really liked telling me stories about what happened in the past about certain politicians and their ideologies and um what he thinks of the current crop of politicians and their ideologies i really don't think i'll find anyone else who had that sort of interest and passion to talk about these things with the other thing <clears throat> i notice is different is um when i go home i'm like i think for the first month or so whenever i would go home i would think he's just on his seat like he had this seat which was just his seat so whenever i would open the door i would see him on his seat and he would greet me very cheerfully yeah um since he died sometimes i would go home and think i'm opening the door to see him greet me very cheerfully then i remember that that might not happen um <clears throat> apart from that he really loved reading the newspaper over the weekend and i remember before he died i promised to buy him some newspapers over the weekend but he didn't make it to the weekend so currently my mom's newspaper expenditure has really decreased because there's nobody to buy newspapers for and uh yeah i i think that's what really changed for me um in terms of processing the grief of his death i think one mistake i made was i didn't let myself feel what i was feeling for quite some time so i would say i was really emotionally drained for about four or five months but i just didn't realize it because i thought to myself okay he's died um let's just feel it for like two weeks and get over it but i realized moving forward that probably was not the right approach to take i should have sat down and processed how i felt about his death and really felt what i needed to feel because i was trying to be really strong for myself and i guess others but i think when someone as close as that dies you should really just have some space to be an emotional wreck and feel whatever you need to feel so yeah i think i was too quick to try and get up on my feet and not have to process the emotions around his death um right now a year later i I do feel sad sometimes that he's not around but at the same time I 
feel like I'm at a better place. I feel like I've accepted that he's no longer here, but I'm still his son and I can do a lot of great things just to reflect that this was my father and he brought me into this world to achieve something and I will do exactly that. So the only thing I do wish for was, uh, you see, in the past year, I feel like I've made a lot of progress in life and uh, unfortunately, he's not been around to see that. And that's one thing which I would have wished for him to see because I think I've been improving myself as a person and uh, he's not around to see the strides I've been making for myself. So I think that's the most challenging part for me. Um, I, I think just to close off, what I would say is for those of you who are going through something similar, just, you know, when it happens, uh, feel what you're feeling. Don't try and suppress your emotions. Don't try and be the strong one. Well, you, you have to be you have to be some level of strong, but don't try and be Superman when, you know, something tragic has happened. Sometimes it's okay just to sit down and process how you feel and take everything as it is. Uh, on top of that, I think if you have people who you care about, you should make some effort to, you know, be with them hang out with them, take photos, record their voice, um, you know, just just be there with them and for them and enjoy the moment because you really don't know when the last one is going to be. That was very interesting to listen to. Uh, you know, I came here thinking that, you know, we're going to talk about, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting to hear about the caregiving part. I, I don't know why, yet I know it's part of it. The healthcare system bit at the beginning. And, you know, learning that there's no coverage for people above 74, especially the private insurance. And cultural norms. Oh my God. Eh, wow. That's that's very interesting. And I find it interesting because there are probably good enough reasons for why people follow the cultural norms. But at the same time, I mean, think about someone who's really low. Maybe they have a an extremely huge medical bill and then they need a house built in order for the burial to take place. That's very, and yet they're grieving, you know, it's, it's a lot. So I think I've learned something there. And I actually read an article recently of uh, people choosing to be cremated for such reasons. You know, you just sit in your will. I want to be cremated, period. After two days, cremate me and get it done and over with. 
I don't want to leave. But now I can imagine the family being told, yeah, cremate the person. But those ashes, they have to be buried where they were born. You have to build a house. Very interesting. So all these things come into play even while you're going through the loss. Um, and that's the reality of it also. Thank you for putting it all into context and for sharing your experience with us. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to talk about it. Uh, really appreciate the time you've lent me to speak about the same. All right. And with that, come to the end of our episode. See you next time. Bye.